And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. When it comes to growing your business, it's not a real big secret. You got to hire great people. That's what we're going to talk about today. How to do it, how to not do it, and a whole lot of other stuff that I'm sure will come up along the way. Now, before we get too far into that, I want to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. That's my company. We're going to help you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, with me today, I've got another Matt, but it's not the other Matt that's often with me. This is Matt Hunkler. And Matt is the CEO of Powder Keg, straight out of Indianapolis. Scroll down to the show notes or go to powderkeg.com. He's going to tell us about what they do at Powder Keg. I love the organization. But first off, Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. It's great to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you joining me. Now, I'm a, I'm a Powder Keg fan. I've gone to your events before. Why don't you, uh, you know, I like to say no one tells the, the backstory better than the CEO and founder. So how about you go ahead and... Uh, Give us a good idea about what's going on with Powder Keg and what you guys do. Once again, powderkeg.com. Yeah, thanks so much, Matt. I, I would love to share some of the story. It's super cool that you've been to some of our events too. I, I love it uh, when that's people's first exposure to Powder Keg. Of course, in this last year, we've shifted our events to 100% virtual um, just with the pandemic and the huge shift that's happening. And uh, obviously, those massive shifts have had a huge implication on talent and the way you can grow your team, uh, regardless of where you live. Uh, but really, that's sort of what Powder Keg was founded off of, was this concept that uh, people should be able to connect with their calling, scale high growth businesses, um, and ultimately reach their full potential no matter where they live. And so for folks, folks like us living uh, in the Midwest or people who are on the coasts, whether that be in a Silicon Valley or New York or a Miami or on the other side, Seattle, uh, we really try to do a good job of connecting the right people with the right opportunities at the right time. So what started for us uh, as an organic community, it literally started as an event. It's funny you, you mentioned events, Matt. Uh, do you remember which event you attended? Was it in Kansas City? It was, and I've got a great success story with it. It was probably four years ago. And my now business partner, Matt Watson, was presenting at powder keg and it was at a distillery and i can't remember which one but uh we went down there and matt presented but another one of the presenters was roy scott the founder of healthy hip-hop and i ended up investing uh well matt, both matt and i in full scale have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into healthy hip-hop at this point but that's where i met roy so mission accomplished there hey there you go and and really it's that sort of serendipitous connectivity that is is so magical about powder keg about communities like powder keg um, particularly when you talk about these midwest tech ecosystems where kind of everybody knows everybody uh or at least is second degree connected 
uh, we're really focused on creating more of that density. And it, it kind of came about actually literally over a decade ago uh, in the back room of a bar, actually in Broad Ripple. Matt, you mentioned you lived in Broad Ripple in Indianapolis. Uh, that's actually where the very first powder keg event was over a decade ago um, at a bar called Binkley's. And uh, we were in the back room because that's where we could get free space as long as we ordered enough drinks. And uh, it was very self-serving for me. I, I was just like, I've got, I'm working on a, my second startup. I need people to beat up the idea. Tell me where there are landmines, where maybe I don't know there are landmines and just ask for feedback, maybe hire, hire one or two people to help me continue growing the business. And uh, it happened very organically. I, I got a group of 20, 30 people together. And of course, a handful of other people were like, hey, can I also share what I'm building in my business? And that event that you mentioned you were at in Kansas City is, is basically this, the same thing that was sort of crowdsourced as the format over a decade ago, that sort of pitch, uh, pitch and get feedback before Shark Tank existed. Uh, we really just kind of scaled into other markets. And now 100% virtually, uh, people can learn about these startups uh, all over the country, all over the world. We'll have people tuning in from Europe and Africa even uh, to learn more about startups that are growing right here in, in the middle of the country. You know, let's just go ahead and let that be lesson number one for hiring great people. Get out there and and get involved in events and communities and stuff like that, because you'll find like-minded people. And, you know, you look at, at the investment that we made into healthy hip hop. I mean, Roy was looking for that. And I worked in the music industry. I see you look like you're in a music studio right now. <laughs> I see banjos, guitars, and drums. But the thing is, is like, that's a good, that was a good starting point. And um, why I didn't hire anyone investing in something is similar to hiring. Now, when it comes to hiring great people, this is really like, this has so much to do with the success or failure of early stage businesses. And, you know, in a, in a world where people are seeking funding and there's a lot of funding out there, um, you know, we're coming up on our 600 episode of the show, Matt, and we have been asking investors, entrepreneurs, like anyone, uh, you know, all the way down the road, like, do you bet on the jockey or do you bet on the horse? And everyone picks the jockey because it's the people in the team that make a company great. And, um, you know, me being a little older and, and more experienced at this point, I've learned a few things about hiring people and I've hired 200 people to work at full scale in the last two and a half years. And, you know, like what, what, what are your opening comments about the conversation we're about to have about hiring great people? Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, raising capital is important, but at the end of the day, 70 to 80% of every venture round goes directly to hiring and retaining the best talent. And so actually we've run studies over the last several years uh, across geographies, across scale of company. And the number one pain point for high growth tech businesses is consistently finding the right people and convincing them to join your team. And now that the whole world has shifted to remote first in terms of its sort of, or at least the tech world has shifted to remote first, um, it has completely leveled the playing field in a lot of ways, opened up the talent pool. But now, as a company based in Kansas City, if you weren't competing on a national scale for talent before, you are now. Um, and whether that city is Kansas City or Chicago or Nashville, um, it, it has just been a massive shift over the last uh, year, which has been happening over the last decade. So it's it's pretty exciting time where I, I think startups that understand how to navigate that um, will 
be the ones that stand out above and beyond because they'll have access to the greatest asset for your business, which is the people. So we say hiring great people, not hiring good people, not hiring average people, not just hiring people, great people. And I think like, let's start with talking about what makes someone great a little bit. I mean, I think that we can start maybe first with just like a general number. I need you to be in the top 20% of whatever it is that you do. Yeah. Both, both aptitude, experience, intelligence, like all of it. I just, that that's the starting point. Are you all right with that? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that 100%. I would add to that. For me personally, my criteria is just as much attitude as it is aptitude. So with that top 20% for aptitude, meaning your ability, your skills, your ability to learn new things, I want that top 20%. I, I want that top 2% in terms of attitude. The person who's willing to break through walls, maybe they don't have the skills yet. Maybe they don't have um, the experience yet, but they're willing to fail. They're willing to be a beginner at it and get good at it because they have the aptitude, but they also have the attitude of a growth mindset and the ability to get behind the mission of the company. Um, so whether that's what you're doing at full scale or whether that's what you're doing listener at your own startup, um, I, I would always be looking out for that talent that has passion and the right attitude to join your company. Passion is passion is undefeated. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, in many, in many ways, in many ways. And, and, you know, that's, that's, there are certain intangible qualities of any candidate that, uh, you can't train, you know, and, you know, you can gain experience, but that doesn't mean that you're a great problem solver. And it doesn't necessarily mean like, okay, you're, you know, we were talking like about the musical equipment behind you. Some people just have like ridiculous talent and they're just really, really good at stuff. It comes really natural for them. Uh, now, I think when we're going to define great, I think it's a fair question in this conversation to say, well, what stage business are we at? Because when you're in the earliest stages of any business, I'm talking like that first year of a startup, for me, great might have a different definition than year five. So in that first year, I want people that are great at being versatile, people that have a great attitude. Now, one of the things that can be challenging is if your business does something that very few or no one else does, you might have to train people how to do it because you're not going to find it's not like hey i own an insurance company and this guy's been selling insurance for 20 years and knows <laughs> the industry yeah. you know because that's usually not the case and you know that and overall though when it comes down to it uh ha passion having a good attitude because you know that's something by the way if you're just listening and you're thinking about doing something different attitude is something you can control you know, and then I find that so passion is a big thing that we look for when we hire people at full scale, because if they're passionate about what they do, it makes it easier to show up and do it every day. And it's not a grind. I actually find that those are usually the most productive people that we have because they're doing it more because they like doing it and they want to do it and they want to find a solution than they are just like, hey, it's nine to five. Now I'm done because it's 501. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got early in my career was uh, to really understand someone's why in terms of what your job opportunity means to them and listen for the real answer, not just the interview answer, but what is the real answer that's real for them? So in other words, why do you want to come join powder keg and be a part of this team? And of course the first answer you get is going to be, Oh, I love the mission. I love what you're doing, but why is it important to you? And ask that follow-up question. 
Why is that important to you? And and I love the talent that has that chip on their shoulder. And I, I don't mean like a grudge or resentment, but I mean, they still, they have something to prove. They see the opportunity for growth for them at your company in the role that you have available. And you can tell those candidates, those professionals who see the opportunity and say, I want to come here because I want to be able to help be a part of scaling a product from a product team of three to a product team of 300. You know, I've never done that before. I've always been at the later stage or I've always been in the super early startups stage, but I want to be able to prove that I can go from three to 300. And I would love to do that at powder keg. Like that's the stuff I'm looking for. Um, or if it's a salesperson, I just really want that lake house. That's great. It's great for me to know. That's, that as- that's, that's not a bad motivation to have for your salespeople, to be honest. Like Ab- it sounds absolutely. superficial and kind of shitty, but I need my salespeople to like kind of be slightly greedy and just want to like cash checks all day. Uh, there's an old, I used to live in North Carolina and they'd often yeah. say a fat dog won't hunt. You know, and that was, <laughs> and that was related to salespeople because a lot of them get a check and they'll be your top salesperson one month. And then the next month they're last on the list. Yep. And it's not, so, you know, and it's funny because salespeople are, that, that's like a whole different episode. We're going to have to get, you, you, you have to hire <laughs> them a little bit differently. Now, um, you know, one of the things, and you know, our, our handy dandy staff at Startup Hustle uh, gives me some talking points. Now, you, know, you can see one of the things that's on this list is don't hyper-focus on someone's past. There are things I'm looking for in someone's past, and then there's some things I don't care about. Um, I'm kind of at the point now where, like, and for those of you that spent a lot of money on a college degree, I don't really give a shit about it. I care about what you've done and, like, are you a producer? Now, that comes from someone that's dropped out of five colleges, so... You know, now I like it too. I'm okay if you have the pedigree, but that's not my hiring reason. And then you got to kind of delve into it because sometimes you can look at someone and it looks like they've had too many jobs, but then sometimes they just have the wrong ones. And um, at the same time, like I, while I favor stability, hiring someone that's been in the exact same system for 10 years, you may get someone that's, I refer to that as being institutionalized. Like they only know how to do it one way. So what do you look for when you look at someone's past or their history? I, I think you touched on a lot of them. And when you kind of mentioned some of those things, you know, work history, uh, the kind of environment they've been in in the past, how are they going to fit at my company? Um, all of those things to me relate to company culture, which I know is a totally fuzzy word. And it's, it's really hard to demystify what does company culture mean? But I, I want to see what someone's track record is. What kinds of companies have they worked with in the past? How did they like those experiences? Did they like being at a high growth startup where you wear 15 hats? Because that's going to be similar to what it's like at Powder Keg while we're going through this scale up phase. Or if you worked at Salesforce and all you know is institutional you come in, you get onboarded, you do this one thing, you do it really well. There's always training and guidance and support for what you're doing. Uh, are you sure you want to be on the startup train right now? Because that's going to be very different than what Salesforce has been, at least for the last five, 10 years. So I, I'm always kind of looking at that history as a way of kind of understanding what their cultural preferences are. And an, an interesting thing out of the 10,000 plus tech professionals we have in our network right now, consistently, the number one reason people join a tech company is also the number one reason that they quit a tech company. And that's company culture. 
100% of the time. It like, I thought it might change during pandemic or, you know, even as things have kind of shifted now and we're starting to go back into office, it is still the number one reason people join or leave a tech company. Uh, and that is company culture. And so one of the things I recommend startups do in order to stand out is just visualize that culture on your career page. Um, you probably have this um, at full scale. You know, what are your core values? What are some of the things that make your company tick? What is it like in the office if you have an office space? And what is it like in the remote work environment if you have more of a remote workspace? Um, and a lot of what we've been doing is trying to help startups deconstruct that uh, so that they can share what it's like working there because most startups don't have a, a budget like a Salesforce or like some of these other large tech companies to uh, specifically to build their employer brand or market their culture um, and grow awareness for what it's like to work at their company. So that that's one of the ways I think startups can really stand out as a that next place in someone's career. Uh, show a really clear picture of what it's like to work there. And you probably want just as many people saying that culture is not for me as you do people saying that's that's my place. I can really thrive there because you as an entrepreneur are then saving yourself from dealing with all of the applicants that are clearly not going to thrive in the culture that you've created and you become the magnet for the people that you want. We're pretty at full scale. We're pretty upfront. We, we tell people, it's going to be, it's hard to get a job here. Why? Because yeah. we really shop off the top shelf. Like we're looking for, I mean, the top 20% is just a starting point. That's just to get you in and in, in, in an interview. And then the main thing is, you know, as we built the company and most of our employees are actually in the Philippines where we got the same complaints about their prior employers. They had shitty equipment. They didn't get treated well, like a whole lot of different stuff. So we just did the opposite. Yeah. And then for the clients that we service and we've got, you know, about, I mean, obviously I have quite a few with 200 employees at this point. We talked to them about what they what they didn't like about offshoring and where that went wrong. It was all the same complaints. It was about communication and timing. Yeah. Like they're only working the opposite 12 hours. They're never and the the team I need is never online when I'm actually awake. So we just made some slight changes and we made it advantageous for uh, we look for a triple win. We need a win for our teammate, for our team members, or our employees. We need a win for our clients, and we need a win for the company. And we strive to get that in all cases. And the thing we really realized is we were hiring once again, like two hundred people in two and a half years, and we had a hundred after year year one. Is no is no small task. So we had to learn a whole lot of stuff and and how to be good at hiring and how to weed out certain people and 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 look more. Uh, towards others. But the one thing that we really realized, especially when it comes to tech, is that the with, when it came to come to developers, they were just as enamored with challenge, with being challenged and doing high level stuff as they were with getting paid. So we just give them both of that too. And you know, we, we tell, well, we tell people a lot, like we turn down more clients than we say yes to. And that's because, you know, we need it to be a certain kind of client now, that wasn't always the case, but we very quickly learned who we were going to be successful with. And, and once again, it has to be that triple win because if in our business, it's more service than software. Uh, but we have a software as a service model because our, our clients can drop someone from their team with 30 days notice. So that's a subscription in a way. It's Absolutely. a subscription to service. And 
And, you know, really getting, we, we spent a lot of time not only building an amazing evaluatory process, which we, we can talk about next, but getting people in the right stuff. Like you don't take someone that doesn't want to do something and then, hey, here's your full-time job doing this. It won't last. It just yeah. won't last. So, okay. you, you know, some of that is like thinking about what people want to do, how they want to do it at the same time. I hate people that show up to an interview and they're like, well, what's the job description? You work for a fucking startup. Your job description is probably going to change every day. Absolutely. And, and like you said, if they're from this highly corporatized culture, that might not be for them because they're used to difference. They're used to having an owner's manual with it, which is the one thing about startups. They don't come with one. So that's yeah. why they, that's why they go. That's why they go astray often. Well, and, and oh, by the way, it works the other way around too. You know, us working with some of the bigger tech companies like Salesforce, like Genesis, like Angie Home Services, you know, someone who's worked in startups their whole life and love that environment, you might not like going into a big corporate environment. You know, maybe the salary that they're offering is higher and maybe they have great benefits, uh, but you're going to go insane if you're used to being able to be a completely autonomous, chart your own path, have a new challenge every single day. And now all of a sudden, nope, you do this. You use this script to say this thing every day. And some people are wired to take that and iterate on it. Other people are just like, I, I don't want the script. I want to figure it out myself. And so I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. And I love that you know, the way you talk makes it clear to me that you know your culture and you know how to communicate your culture. You know, those things, um, making it a triple win. I I'm sure that triple win is a, is a catchphrase throughout full scale and people understand sure. what that means. And it's like, I, I think one of the things that the best entrepreneurs do is they find those things and they repeat them so much that, that the entire team will be finishing your sentences because you're that consistent with how you talk about things, but that's what makes a great culture is consistency and communication across the organization and outside the organization. The fact that you turn away certain clients uh, tells me that you value your company culture. And well, we turn, we'll turn, we'll turn them away too. If we think they're assholes, to yeah. be honest, like if, cause, cause those, cause our, my company's most valuable assets are the employees that we have. That's all we've got without, without our employees to provide services for tech companies. We don't have a company. Yeah. And you know, and, and we go to a lot of time, effort, energy, and emotion on some days to find the right people. So, you know, at the same time, like we don't want, you know, we, you don't need to be a pushover, but at the same, you know, like some people, you can just tell you're like, these are not, th these folks are not going to, treat our employees the way that we want them to. And then also it's like, you know, trying to find a level of consistency and uh, people hire full skill because they want to build a team, not because they have a three month, three month project. So that's where we turn the most people down because they, our business model is a little different. Like I said, we took all the things that people didn't like about offshoring and business process outsourcing. We just did the opposite. It's been wildly successful. It really wasn't that complicated. So and we tell, we tell our employees that too, like, hey, you're not going to have to work on shitty equipment. Like, how do you hire a developer that's like at the top of his or her career level and then you give them the worst equipment possible? That's like, that's like a ninja without a sword. You know, it's just like, come on, you know, and some of that stuff's just annoying. So yeah. 
I, I mean, really in the end, so much of it is, is remember just cause someone, because you want to hire great people, just cause you have an opportunity doesn't mean that they're going to care about it. I think that the top, that the great people that you're going to hire know exactly where they should and, and want to be. Mm-hmm. And they want to hear that you're turning away customers that are going to be a pain in the ass because they don't want to work at a company where no. they're going to be, you know, pushing a boulder uphill every single day, just trying to serve customers that just don't want to work the way you work. Uh, and we do the yeah. exact same thing. I mean, if, a company does not have to know everything and and all there is to know about employer branding and culture. And that's a big piece of what we want to help them with. But if they, if they don't even get behind the idea of your company culture is important or behind the idea that sharing what your employer brand is, is going to help you attract the right types of talent. We just know it's not going to be a fit because we know that our 10,000 plus tech professionals, they're there because they care about the culture and because they want to work with the best employer for them at that point in their careers. Um, and you're already doing that. I mean, the fact that you're, you were already hiring remote talent pre pandemic. Now you're, you're ahead of the curve because every company's trying to figure this out now, now that oh, we're, we've not only we're doing it, we were really good at it because we have a yeah. whole system and it's, it's, it comes down to with tech, it's challenging because you got to, people have to show you the technical skills. And then here's the thing. That's really only half the story. The other Absolutely. half of the story is it goes, it, it's the same for all. It doesn't matter if it's tech, but you want people that, I mean, you'd like to see some industry experience. You'd like to see uh, relevant experience. You'd like to see attitude. You'd like to see problem solving and critical thinking skills. Uh, we, we look at likability. Like yeah. likability is a real thing. And, and I'm, I'm, this, I'm a huge believer that you can't train it. You're likable or you're not. Like you can manage being in the margins, but you ever known someone that's so likable, they could tell you that their your baby was uh, like, they could tell you your kid is ugly and you'd thank them for the feedback, Sure, you know, and maybe even tell them you didn't want another kid, but you'll have another one to show them you'll get it right. But likability does matter. And, and like, and then we even look at marketability because um, some people just don't sell themselves well. And that's part of us fi is finding a link between a company and the service providers we have. So some people just aren't that marketable. It could be a number of different things. And then the main thing we favor the most is communication. Yeah. Because if you're going to be remote or on the other side of the world or anywhere, if you can't communicate, you are going to struggle as an employee in almost every situation. So communication is a big thing. And not being afraid to say, hey, hey, look, this is not good. We need to stop and think about this. How valuable is that if that occurs once effectively, occasionally? That can be a big deal in any company. Yeah, it's immeasurable. The, the impact of that is immeasurable. And I, I think the, the fact that you're even considering those things pre-hire puts you in the top quartile of, of employers, um, I, I would love to talk about what you've learned uh, and, and sort of what we're seeing in the marketplace as more and more companies are hiring remote talent and are looking at mm. building distributed teams, whether that's in a fully remote environment or some sort of hybrid hub and spoke type of model. Um, there has been this mass massive shift. And I, I really believe it's the employers that figure out how to navigate this are the ones that are going to be the top companies in the world in a couple of years. 
Well, for us, uh, you know, FullScale, if you want to learn more about FullScale, go to FullScale.io. First off, we built our own management platform. We built, because there was, there was nothing that did what we needed it or wanted it to do. And that is as simple as like time clocks, daily reports, things like that, things that provide stability and communication. Now, we had already been building that when the pandemic hit. And then all of a sudden, we were like, God, first off, thank God we built this. Second off, we actually sat back and said, do we have something that's commercially viable here? We said yes, and then decided not to take it to market, which is okay. Because our business was growing so fast. We're like, you know, we're going to be just great at this one thing that we're really good at. And, you know, so, and then so much of it, like overall, you talk about uh, company culture. Well, look, people talk, you know, like, and, and for us, our number one recruiter is our own employees. Yeah. So we incentivize our employees to bring the best people they know to us and say, Hey, this is a great company. And you know, the thing that's probably the craziest that just blows my mind. So I've gone over once again, we're largely in the Philippines and I'll go over there and I'll be there for a couple of weeks at a time. And I will leave and I'll ask management what their feedback was from the employees about me. And they, and they'll say, well, all the employees are just really impressed at how much you came around and talked to all of them. And I was like, what CEO doesn't like who, who have they been working for? Like why? Like, right. Like for me, that's the most valuable part of my visits is sitting down and getting to know these everyone. And it's hard to do. It is hard Absolutely. to do when you have 200 people and I know all their names and yep. that, and like that's shocking, but it shouldn't be like, and that's the thing that really, you know, but that's what brings the culture. And then, and then making sure that people are heard. You know, so before I, before I arrived for my visits, we put a box on the front, on the front desk and you can ask anything you want. And it's kind of funny because I've gained a reputation for making sure I answer all the questions. So sometimes they're kind of funny, like, Hey Matt, do you drink? Want to get wasted? Yeah. That was a question once, Love it. Uh, but you know, it, but people in an organization want to know that their voice is going to be heard. It doesn't mean that you have to cave every time. Because uh, by the way, the more employees you get, the more they're going to ask for things because it's sure. just the nature of math, yeah. the more right. the more stuff that comes in. And then, you know, and then uh, you also have to understand that ever since the world invented the manager, employees have not liked managers. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to get a little bit of grumbling, but we we literally do town hall. So we sit there and I'll answer the questions. And I look through them. So I'm not just pulling the same ones out and, you know, the same question six times, but th- that kind of listening and involvement and answering the questions that people have about the company in in a fair and transparent way. It has so much to do with why our own employees tell the best people that they know. And, you know, here's the thing is, is if you begin to build that kind of culture, people get past the the imperfect moments because there's plenty. Yep. There's, there's a lot of them, Matt. And you know, that's the thing. And like, and you're able to say, Hey, look, I know this isn't perfect. We're talking about it. We're going to figure this out. Hang out. This isn't going to continue to be a problem. And it's always about things that matter, you know, like, Oh, occasionally you'll have someone in management that's maybe not doing a great job, you know, and sometimes they are. And it's just, it's a matter of getting down to the bottom of it. And sometimes it's just about letting people gripe a little bit. Yep. Because yep. they, they don't even necessarily care sometimes that you're not going to you're not going to 
figure out the thing, the solution and, and do it the way they want. But instead they just wanted to be heard. Yeah. So, yeah. And so I think, I mean, I think that's it. And then really in the end, it's like, Hey, look, I care about all of you. I care about this company. My family depends on it. Like yours. Are we working to do something great together? Cause if we are, and we're all committed to that, we're going to be fine. And I mean, we have almost no turnover. That's amazing. Like, I mean, it's nuts. Like, but it, and, so you know, that's how do you, how do you expose those things to uh, candidates and potential team members? So you've got this culture where people don't leave. You've got this town hall format. You've got the box on the desk and all these things that, that uniquely make your company, your company. How are you exposing people to that in that hiring process? Um, whether that's institutionally or it's like you said, you know, your current employees talking to other employees and that's your marketing machine right there. Well, honestly, on some levels, we don't expose them to it until we know that it's someone we want to talk to. We had 250 people apply, uh, in, uh, in March. Oh, that's awesome. And that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. That's not, it's not like thousands, but 250 is a lot, man. So you got to get through that. And we'll, while we do list some of the things like, you know, I mean, here's the thing, top pay, top equipment, top benefits. Okay, yeah. let's start there. Because those are just like those core things, right? Like, yep. you're, you're going to have a hard time winning without any of that, mm -hmm. you know, and you need to have that. And then past that, it's like, just kind of letting people know, but we get to know them. So our, our hiring process, and if you want to hire great people, you can't be in a hurry to do it. You got to get <laughs> to know them a little bit. And so we just, uh, so we've created for tech, we've created 40 different certification tests. Oh, really? So we let candidates, oh yeah, and they're ours. Like we wrote them, they're for us. Uh, and I don't mind, so we use HackerRank uh, okay, as nice. a platform to, yeah, to deploy awesome them, platform. but we've written, we've made them all our own. And so with that, we want to see someone be in the top 20% of one of those certifications. And if you're not, you don't even get an interview. And wow. uh, we even have like an English, an English language uh, test too. And because here's the thing is if you don't speak English, then you're not going to fit very well in what we do. So that's right. important. Um, and then past that, we go through a process where it's technical assessment. So we have a team of about 20 different people that uh, you don't talk to all 20. They're just good at different things. And, you know, here's the thing is if you're an expert and I, if I'm an expert and I'm interviewing you, I'll know if you're at least close to an expert or not. It's very difficult to have a conversation between two experts and have both of them be experts. And they're like, no, that guy doesn't know shit. Now, if you're <laughs> if you're faking it, I'll, I'll know it. I'll have a pretty sure. good idea. And then at that point, we will, you know, push someone along so they get to know our 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 employees along the way to doing it. And it, and you know, here's the thing is with that, sometimes some people get upset. They're like, the, your assessment tests were wrong. That wasn't the real answer. Really? Cause I got a lot of real smart people that would disagree that passed it and seem to be doing well. So, you know, you start to have to kind of deal with the volume of it. But when we zero in on, uh, when we, we know exactly what kind of people we're looking for, and when we do, then, you know, we want to get to know them and we want to, we want to, uh, another thing too, is especially given the pandemic and everything, even though tech and tech workers and IT people are in high demand, we present stability. So we actually went from just hiring people to now giving people a, a minimum two-year contract. Like, hey, you're going to, you get two years, like, 
hopefully you're not a train wreck because that's on my dime. <laughs> but yeah, right. but you know, the crazy, the crazy thing is, Matt, is like, I'm so confident in our, in our hiring process. Uh, we're patient. We're kind of like that uh, championship baseball player, like the batting champion. That's not someone who swings at pitches outside of the strike zone. Right. They right. know exactly if you talk to a batting champion from major leagues, they know exactly what they're looking for. They're out thinking the process and they're patient. They're patient, which means you have to pass on a lot of stuff. And like right now, it's excruciating because we have a waiting list for our services. And it would be very easy to operate outside of the margins of what we're used to. And we don't. We will stay yeah. there, which which sucks on some days because if you want to hire great people, you cannot get them to show up to the interview in a linear way. They yeah. just show up. They, 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 you can't predict it. You might have to talk to 50 people. You might have to talk to five. But you got to know exactly what you're looking for. And that, and that's hard. That's yeah. hard, especially if you haven't had experience. How many people, we have interviewed thousands of people to hire 200. So well, and, we're, and, we got pretty good at it. And that's what sucks for a lot of startup founders is hiring great people is tough because you might not have, well, first off, if you're trying to hire IT or programmers domestically, good luck. Yes. There's like 400,000 open tech jobs right now. Like It is wild. You get wild. three applicants. You'll get three applicants. And honestly, if you're an out-of-work programmer in the U.S. right now, I am legitimately asking myself, what's wrong with you? Right. <laughs> right. Very, very high demand right now. I mean, that is right. uh, that is probably the number one problem we solve for our customers is a solution that allows those software developers to look for their next role privately without disclosing that they're open and looking without throwing their resume out and spraying and praying across job boards. That's not how people, that's not how the best programmers are finding their next job. It's not how the next, the best marketers are finding their next job. It's not how the best salespeople are finding their next job. It all comes from network and building that reputation. And I, I think what's beautiful about what you do at full scale is this whole thing, the podcast that we're on right now, it's all employer branding for your podcast or, or for your company, right? So for for people who are listening to this and are, are now listening to episode 599 of the Startup Hustle podcast, they've got a pretty good idea of what the culture's like because guess what? They're, they're spending an hour each week or they're binging it and listening to an hour a day or several hours a it day. Helps us, it helps us hire better people actually, 100%. Startup Hustle and Startup Hustle TV. Because actually people, it does, people want to work for a cool company. They don't want to work. You, you at first as an employer think that you have a disadvantage to Globo Megacorp. You don't. People yeah. don't want to work there. No. I mean, I, I've been literally been in Silicon Valley talking to startups about this. I'm like, how do you compete against Google, Facebook? And they'll tell you uh, a lot of people just don't want to work there. They don't care. They don't find any passion in helping build and support a platform where people share pictures of their dinner all night. That's not what they're passionate about. And it's a good point. The thing that those big global brands do have, though, is they have a known brand. And there are those stories of what is it like to work there. And Google's, you know, take Fridays off to work at work on a project and problem that's not in the OKRs and the KPIs, just be innovative, right? There's there's all those stories out there from those big corporations. 
what I love about what you're doing here is you're competing at that level with those corporations and you're putting out a signal that is, we're not trying to be big corporation. So that, that's the thing. People fear the unknown, right? And so that's why a lot of people go to the big brand is because it's a known thing. I know, I at least know what I'm getting there. Whereas a startup that doesn't market themselves, doesn't talk about what it's like to work there, doesn't have a founder who's out there in public and visible and, and creating thought leadership, they, they are largely unknown. And that to a lot of people is something that they're going to steer away from when given the option of going to some unknown brand or going to Google or Facebook or some well-known brand. So go hire people from there. And that's like, and I didn't want to get out of this episode without saying that, look, the best people already have jobs somewhere else. You got to go out. I spent, look, here I am, uh, you know, 200 employees deep into this. And I spend time every day recruiting employees. Absolutely. Every day. I make, I make, I use LinkedIn. I use a number of different things and they all have jobs somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and a lot of times, it's for big companies like in the city we're in, in the Philippines, Accenture has 6,000 employees. I don't look at that as competition. I look at that as an opportunity. And, you know, like I hire people out of there all the time, all yeah. the time. Absolutely. Because you have an advantage as a startup and a lot of these big companies, they got so big that it's all slotted out. You're just working that next six months to go from like, blah, 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 specialist four to blah, blah, specialist three or the other way around, you know? And, and, and the thing is, is people don't want to just be employee eight, four, three, six, two. They want to yeah. be a part of something that matters. They want to have a sense of appreciation for what they do. By the way, that's another thing I think is really important. I, I thank our employees a lot. I was recently uh, given an award from Forbes and they they're doing the top 1000 startup entrepreneurs. And I was honored to be in their first 250 they announced. And nice. I did an interview and I say, here's the thing. I don't really care about that kind of shit. Like I'm not really driven by that and I can't right. pay my bills with awards. So I did a different interview that was about that. And I said, I'm happy for our employees because they're the ones that won the award. I didn't do shit. I just yeah. accepted it. Because if, if it wasn't for them, none of nothing, no one would be talking about us. And, you know, and if you're a leader and you're a founder and you're someone that's wanting to hire people and you've let that, if you've let any of that get past you, I work for them, Matt. Absolutely. I work for my employees, not the other way around. And go to a country like the Philippines and start saying stuff like that and see how the reaction is. Uh, it means a lot because... It's really not about, it can't be about you. It has to be about them. And you do work for them. It's your job to help them be successful. I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, we actually have a couple of team members in the Philippines as well. Um, what our, our longest team member has been with the company over five years now. Uh, he was my first employee after I left my last high growth startup and just knew I needed a virtual assistant for everything I was doing. And mm -hmm. uh, he's now taken on chief of staff role for the team. He understands the company culture. He understands the inner workings. And I truly believe that, that global teams just have a leg up on anyone that's just centralized in one location. Um, simply because you have that muscle memory, you have access to the best talent, and you can recruit from anywhere um, if you take that sort of remote first approach. And so I, I see a lot of companies 
obviously that had to scramble to figure that out last year. But now the companies that have really figured it out, how to work with remote teams and how to scale that culture, regardless of where the employee is located, those are the ones that are crushing it. And it sounds like full scale is top of the top of the pile there. We're getting there. Like it's so we're in Cebu City. That's the second biggest city in yeah. the Philippines, and no one's and no one's ever heard of it for the most part. About one out of fifty people Cebu. have heard of it. You seem like you, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's beautiful, man. Seventy-two to ninety-two degrees every day it's of the awesome. year. It's a tropical island. It's there's, filled with awesome people that want to do awesome things. So there, there's we love a, it. There's yeah. a little town that's just a, a short drive from there um, called Oslo. Have you been there? I have not. Or so, at least I don't know. So that ne- I went next there. time you go back, put this on your to dos because it's it's probably the top five experiences of my life was going to Oslo and swimming with whale sharks. The whale okay. sharks come in every morning, which are, are totally harmless, but they're the largest fish in the ocean uh, because well, they they are sharks, but you know they're whales. They're harmless whales. They're the size of a bus, and you're swimming in the ocean with a snorkel and a swimsuit with like 50 whale sharks. It is the coolest experience I've ever had. Highly recommend yeah, checking that out. You know, we were talking about like an experience overseas and whatever people ask me a lot, well, what's it like to have a, an office in the Philippines? I'm like, it's like having an office here. I have, we have two entire floors of, uh, of a 20, of a, uh, about a 20 story building that's in the middle of an IT park. There yep. is the Filipino version of Starbucks at the ground level. Like, yep. I mean, it's just like in, in many, and honestly, the office we had there was way nicer than the office we had in Kansas city for a long time. Okay. So I got two things that I want to, I, I don't want to come in for a landing on the end of this episode without these. Uh, Cause I think this is important. Sure. I, if you want to hire great people, I do think it's really important that you're crystal clear about the expectations you have with the company. Like, look, this is winning. This is not, these are the kind of things that'll go well. This is not now. Um, I, for my local leadership, I have a completely different set of expectations than I do for our tech staff. And honestly, like I have really high expectations. So I will sit down with the candidate and I will, if I think I want to hire that person, I will actually sit down and almost try to scare the shit out of them. I will (laughs) like from an expectation standpoint, I'm just like, Hey, look, this is what you can expect. And you know what? I on some days I can be a pain in the ass to work with because I have high expectations and I don't come off of them and I'll hold you accountable for it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. It's just the way I am. And if you don't like that and you get butt hurt easily about feedback, you do not want to come work with me. Right. And I tell people that. And like, here's the expectations. Like, and and when we have when we have 200 employees on the other side of the world, we're not always a nine to five shop either. Here. Sure. Sometimes we have to be online. You have to be online at 11 o'clock to talk to people when they're actually awake. So, you know, some of that. And then, you know, and and I think that that's fair. I don't think you need to always have like a crazy detailed job description about everything. But you do need to be you need to let people know what to expect and what they're getting themselves into, even if it's just so later. They're not like no one told me about this. Oh, yeah, I did. We sat down. I, I We were really clear about it. Being, being clear and setting expectations up front, continuously communicating those expectations, that, that those are the foundations of a good culture. And, and I, I don't necessarily mean that, you know, your approach to scaring people off is better than someone else's approach. It's like, just get on the team and you'll find your spot. You know how you lead the team. And the fact that you're clear about that allows people to opt in and say, 
yeah, that sounds like me. I, I want to work for that team. And the people who are like, eh, you know, I want to, I want to know that after six, I can be with my family and I'm never going to get hit up. And you can just say, Hey, that's great. This is not the company for you. <laughs> and for them, they can say, great, you know, still, still love what you're doing. Let's stay in touch and, and figure out the next thing. So I, I love that you communicate that consistently and uh, get crystal clear with people. That's, that's fantastic. So I said I had two. I got one more. You got to trust your gut. You know, that's why you take your time. That's why yep. you go slow. That's why you meet with people more than once. Because I can't tell you how many times I've loved someone on a first meeting. By the yep. time I got to that third one, I'm like, man, what was I thinking? Because <laughs> if they're wearing if they're wearing you out in the interview or there's something that just doesn't seem right, what's that going to be like in three months? Like yeah. the one thing I've, I've learned about employees is the ones that in the 15 year history of me creating jobs, the great ones are usually great right away. They are, they don't come in, they don't come in clueless and slow as hell and whatever. And I look back at the, at, you know, I turned 46 in a couple months and I'm really on the trust the gut thing, man. Cause the, I, I, my gut's undefeated. Yeah. Now my, my human decision-making process, very flawed on, on many points in the timeline, but you know, like it, like I said, do you, do you have a good feeling about it or not? Cause if you don't have a, I should say you have a great feeling about it. You need a great feeling about it. And that's back to that discipline, like that baseball plate discipline. Like you don't swing, if you swinging at a pitch that's in the dirt, you're never going to hit a home run with it. You're just yeah. not. Yeah. So trust I, I, the gut. I agree. I, I think the the thing that I heard that I I love calling out to hiring managers and leader leaders is that your trust is sort of the nuance of what you just said. And let me repeat it back to you. Make sure I got it right. But you collect lots of data and information, and that's the first step. And it's like once you have the information, then it's trust your gut. And I see leaders get this wrong all the time where they, they use the trust the gut thing at the front end. And they just say, I don't know. That doesn't seem right. They're out. Whereas what, what you're saying is like, even when you say, Oh, that feels pretty good. Go through the process, get the additional information of the other two interviews. And, and you're the, the sort of nuance there is it's like, if you've got the information like give yourself like sufficient information, then trust your gut. But it's it's yeah, when well, people get yeah. the get it backwards that they can kind of end up missing well, the big opportunities. When we go, I, I can't talk to all two hundred. I can't interview all two hundred no, people that will hire. Not. So we've created a really a really smooth process for that. But if, if I've got someone that's normally really patient and they're like, this person might get annoying, I know yeah. that's not good. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's yeah. pretty easy. Now, if it's someone that I, that I'm going to work with and be around every day, and that's the difference. See, the hardest part about defining company culture with a company like full scale is technically we have about 50 different cultures because yeah. we work for 50 different companies and our employees need to fit into those. And that's, mm -hmm. that's why I said though, that's why you want the good attitude. That's why you want the versatility. Like I love, in some cases I want Swiss army knives. In some cases I want swords and you're one or the other, you're usually not both. So yeah. Because yep. it takes time to be good at all of that. All right. So we end my episodes of Startup Hustle with what I call the Founders Freestyle. Why do I say my episodes? I'm not the only host of the show. Make sure you tune in on Tuesdays. Join Andrew Morgan's founder of Marknology. 
and talk all about e-commerce and Amazon sales. On Thursdays, join Lauren Conaway, the founder of Innovate Her, and she talks about all kinds of stuff too. If you, if you haven't had enough startup hustle at that point, did you hear we started the TV show? I'll give you some advice. Don't start your own TV show. It's a lot of work. So you can head on over to YouTube, just type in Startup Hustle. We're pretty easy to find. You're going to get some, some raw and real tips from entrepreneurs and founders at all stages of business across a variety of different industries. It is not just tech. It is not just Kansas City. We have people from everywhere. All right. So here we are at the Founders Freestyle. Matt, once again with me today, Matt Hunkler, the CEO of Powder Keg. Go to powderkeg.com. Now, you know, when we look at this just topic of hiring great people, I mean, what first off, do we miss anything? And what's the best advice that we came up with today for anyone that wants to hire great people? I, I love the founder freestyle. It's my favorite segment of the show. Um, the, the one thing I would say that we missed is get a broad range of inputs. And, and we kind of touched on it here and there. But I think one of the best things that whether you're a founder or you're just starting your career, in startups is just get a broad range of inputs. Be generally aware of what's going on, not just in your industry, but in adjacent industries, in other tech hubs or, or just cities in general. And the more you can kind of have a general understanding and not just have your blinders on all the time, that's where you get those big level up moments where you say, hey, if I leveraged this new platform with what I'm already doing, you can get that kind of 10x growth. Or if I took my experience in this industry and took it over to that industry, I could 10x my personal career growth. Um, I, I would say that's that's my number one piece of advice, hands down, regardless of stage at startup. And then the one big takeaway, I, I just love hearing you talk on this podcast, Matt, uh, about your culture and getting clear and, and being clear on communicating that culture, whether you're the founder or you're the hiring manager and your own team has its own microcosm culture, which you just touched on in terms of, you know, different members are parts of different teams. Um, get really serious about communicating your culture. If, if, you, if you already have core values, great. What are other ways that you can communicate those core values? If you already have a diverse and inclusive team, great. Talk about how you build that. Get on podcasts, share articles, contribute to articles, uh, share your story. And I, I think you do such a great job of that here in the Startup Hustle. And I just want to point out that meta lesson that I think is, is in this show that uh, you do such a great job of, of communicating the full-scale culture and employer brand. Well, thank you. And that's, that's, uh, and that's good to hear, especially from someone like yourself, Matt. And you know, for I think to, to close the show out, I think a couple of things that that come up is, you know, all the stuff you said, without a doubt. And then if I have to add on to that, go look for talent, you know, mm -hmm. like, don't just think you're going to just throw up a job ad. And then the, you know, like, you look at things like LinkedIn, or just, I don't know, man, it's a very connected world. And, you know, if you have very specific needs, go look for people, you know, I go reach out and go try to find them. Um, the greatest employees you're going to find are probably already employed somewhere else. And, and the, the lesson you know, at the so very end of the event, show up, show up go, to events, go check them out. Yeah. Don't just sit at home. Go talk to people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. And you know, you got to And, and then I think that the next thing is, is, is be patient. 
you know, like you got to know, you got to define what you're looking for. You might have to have some flex inside and out of that. Cause a lot of times what I run into is I'll t- people will call me at full scale and they'll be like, we're looking for someone that does A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And I'm like, man, E, F, and G are like three qualities and skills that you will almost never find in someone that has A, B, C, and D. So if you're waiting for that person to show up, uh, you might be waiting for a very long time. And so it, it, either you need to, to decide that that's two different people or you need to find the right person that is smart enough and has enough flexibility to figure it out quickly. I, I, it's hard to go broke hiring smart people. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, that's, that's kind of true. And, you know, that's smart and clever are two different things. Um, both qualities I admire in developers and in entrepreneurs. And maybe that's another episode for us, but we're out of time. And this one, Matt, thank you so much for joining me. And for those of you listening, go to powderkeg.com. They do some awesome stuff. Hopefully there's an event. Well, there is an event coming to you somewhere sometime because it's all online right now. Can, can I make a quick invitation here? <laughs> I would we're, love it. We, uh, we've got an upcoming uh unvalley conference so this was a huge hit in december when we hosted we had the co-founder of aol steve case who spoke along with arlen hamilton co-founder of backstage capital we had almost a thousand people all over the world attending this virtual event we've got our next one coming up on may 19th and 20th and we have some amazing speakers i might even try to talk matt into being a speaker as well uh, but we have some amazing speakers from all over the world that are going to be speaking there. And if you use the code Startup Hustle, you'll literally get 50% off your ticket, which is literally less than 20 bucks anyway. But you can get 50% off your ticket price, uh, two-day all-access pass, and connect with some of the best talent and build your team. I like it. I like it. All right. I'm out. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.